Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Okay, I was reading an article, as I want to do, um, because I'm always reading about mental skills and building up our our knowledge and all that kind of stuff. So I'm constantly reading and searching and looking at things people write and agreeing and disagreeing and everything in between. And I came across this article and it is it is called 15 Qualities You Need to Develop Mental Toughness. And immediately I had a reaction because I'm not always sure that tough is what we're going for right? I think that that is what people call it. And when we, I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go through this article um, because I think that there are some interesting concepts that I wouldn't necessarily equate to toughness. Now, I don't have a problem with toughness. Toughness is good. And toughness, I think, is a part of having a strong mental game or having mental skills or mental preparedness or, you know, however you want to, however you call your own game, right? I do think you should personalize that. Um, I'm always trying to build your mental skills. And um, I think of myself as a performance coach because we're trying to get to the best performance out of ourselves. So that's how, those are the words I use. And when I was younger, I thought that if I could quote toughen up, right? That, those were the words that everybody had. It was always about toughness. And it was always about toughen up, buck up, little buckaroo, or whatever people would say. I don't know who said buckaroo in a few decades, but anyway, if they have. And um, I feel like that's what the language was about. And so for those of us of a certain age, you know, I think that being mentally tough is still something we strive for, perhaps. And again, I don't think it's wrong, but I don't think it's, that's not the end all be all for me, right? I don't necessarily want to be tough. I want to be resilient. And what's really funny about this article is that I think what they describe are characteristics of being resilient and not necessarily of being tough. All right. When I think of toughness, I think of this, well, any sort of toughness, really. It's like this um, protection, this shield, this defense from vulnerability, right? And nobody wants to be be vulnerable. Everybody, you know, shies away and, and gets really uncomfortable and itchy <laughs> if you start to say like, oh, be vulnerable. And it just feels exposed and raw. Maybe I'm personalizing. Um, but it just feels like vulnerable is like this kind of thing that you want to shy away from, right? And, you know, any other Brene Brown's, Brown. Yeah, Brene Brown fans out there, I am one. Um, you know, she talks a lot about vulnerability and shame and those kinds of things and how she feels like it's really 
a certain amount of vulnerability is really required to build good leaders. And so we would probably say that a lot of leaders have a lot of great mental skills to be able to weather the things that they have to do in business and things like that. And, and I would agree with that. I would, I would, there's, got, there's a lot of self-awareness that is needed in there. But I think that when we think about toughness, it, it sounds like a shell or an ability to not let things in or not let things bother you. Um, and I don't, I would, I would throw out that that's really not the goal. I would really like to see it be more about resilience. Now, can mental toughness be part of you be a skill within the umbrella of your mental game? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that is a skill. Maybe that is something you feel like you're, like one of the words I always use to describe it is you feel too porous, right? Like things get in too easily. You feel like, you know, the things that happen to you really sink in. Um, maybe you would go so far as to describe yourself as, you know, an empath or someone who feels deeply or who lets a lot of things in. And um, maybe you feel like you need a protection or more of a quote shell or something and maybe you're describing it as mental toughness perhaps it's a vocabulary word right so I'm just kind of raising this idea that like you know I didn't even make it past the headline of this article and already I was like mental toughness is that is that what we're going for here and I just wanted to raise that really at the beginning to say like I don't know that it is. I really like to talk about it in terms of resilience. I really like to think about toughness as being um, maybe a sub-skill, if that's even a thing. Um, And I really, what's funny is I go through this article with you, I really think of what they're describing is resilience, right? Is being able to um, take what our dog lives give us, right? And be able to still move through it and still stay positive and move toward our goals and come back time after time, even when we get, you know, knocked down, have a bad day, um, you know, enter into a long rehab with the dog, you know, I mean, we've all kind of done that. And um, so I think it's a resilience thing. So anyway, this article showed up in something called Pocketworthy, honestly never heard of them it showed up in a feed somewhere somehow it's written by Travis Bradbury I want to give everybody all the credit and um, Travis is talking about being you know mentally stuck or mentally tough not stuck especially when you feel stuck is what he says and so it's ability to break the mold and make a bold new direction that requires extra grit daring and spunk that only the mentally toughest people have. All right, let's talk about that for a minute. And uh, I'm not picking on Travis. I think the rest, this, there's a lot of great stuff in this article. Um, but I just want to sort of parse these sort of words. Um, I do like the concept of grit, but not necessarily when it's tied to being tough or um, I, I like grit in terms of like being able to uh, persevere, right? When I think of people who have grit, I think of people who are able to persevere through challenges. Like he's saying, like when you when things are tough, or you know, when it requires you know something that you need to push through. But I don't necessarily equate it to toughness, as I think I've made that point. Okay, so he goes on to talk about some different habits 
that to improve mental toughness. Again, I think he's really talking about resilience, quite frankly. So this is why I kind of wanted to have this conversation of like, you know, things that we read, things that we take in. And it's also like a great conversation to talk about some other things. So credit where credit is due. Let's go. So one of the first things he says is emotional intelligence. And I like emotional intelligence as a concept. This is something that um, those of us who've been in corporate have probably heard the term EQ for emotional intelligence. And it's, you know, tied to your ability to really understand the emotional sides of things. And I think that it is important. I like the concept of EQ in this conversation in terms of resilience because it speaks to the idea that you need to really seek to understand and not shy away from the feelings or the emotions behind it. Whenever I talk about, you know, coming back or bouncing forward out of a tough situation, I always say, you know, like, I don't want you to like just sugarcoat it or glaze over it or do like what is called sometimes a spiritual bypass over it and be like, it'll all be okay. This is all happening for a reason. I actually, like, I I like that thought, but I first want you to kind of sit with the feelings and really understand it because I feel like through understanding the emotional aspects of things and how you really feel and why you feel how you feel, that's actually how we get through smarter, better, faster, and that helps us build resilience. Okay, so I do like this idea of EQ and emotional intelligence and paying attention. I also think that because we're always working with dogs, um, we have to be especially attuned to their emotions in a way that, you know, is obviously mostly nonverbal. I say mostly because there's some verbal involved sometimes, but it's pretty much nonverbal. The second thing Travis brings up is, of course, confidence. Having confidence, building confidence. Of course, as you know, I teach a whole class on building confidence, a master class on confidence and growing confidence. So I think that, um, you know, confidence True confidence really is an inside job, as I've talked about, and there are a number of sub-skills, I would say, that are involved in doing that. And if you are interested, yes, I do teach a whole class on this, and this is great, but I think that confidence um, really helps drive us forward, right, because it, it lets us get back up when we've been knocked down. The third thing he points out is the ability to neutralize toxic people. I mean, I had a whole podcast on toxic people. Go back; It's one of the earlier ones if you're interested in learning and if you're joining this podcast already in progress. Thank you. Um, but, you know, dealing with toxic people is not only dealing with them in the moment, right, and being emotionally intelligent and being confident enough to have a, a constructive conversation or exchange maybe, but it's also about understanding what what thoughts from others, what outside forces don't get to be in your bubble, right? What the parts that you don't have to entertain, the things that you don't have to allow in. And so I think that in dog shows, as we talked about a few times, you know, you don't have to let all of that into your Uh, world. You know, you are there to be you and your dog as a team. And whatever is happening outside the ring or outside of that bubble that is your dog's, I mean, that is up to us to manage. And it comes to boundaries. And it comes to really having some confidence in yourself and faith in your plan and that you, uh, you are working toward, you know, a bigger goal, right? Okay, so that was three. Fourth is knowing how to embrace change. 
right? Whether you say it's go with the flow or being flexible or adapting, you know, those are all ways that like, you know, we have goals and we're steering towards them, but we do have to be sort of flexible in how those come. You know, um, I always say you want to set a goal, but you want to hold on loosely and allow for them to unfold in, you know, potentially super creative ways, right? You don't really know how that's going to, what's going to happen. And we know that in working with dogs and being handlers and being, you know, competitive and all that kind of stuff, like stuff gets thrown in our way, in our path all the time. So that ability to adapt and be flexible and take those changes in stride is going to help us, um, again, build resilience. Because again, I think this article is misnamed. But um, the other number five, he says, is saying no. I think this is great. I think this, you know, setting boundaries for ourselves, knowing what to say no to is as important, sometimes more important than knowing what to say yes to. Um, you know, realizing that you have boundaries, again, maybe with other people, but also in being able to focus on your training and what you need to work on, right? And if you are focused on 10 goals at once or focused on, you know, getting 10 different titles in 10 different rings, venues, then you're not probably going to be great at any one thing. So I think our ability to say no to some things or prioritize is super, super helpful in our um, in our arenas, in what we do. Um, you know, fear, he brings up fear in a way that I probably wouldn't talk about. <laughs> he says that knowing that fear is a number one choice of regret, I don't see that. But I do see that we have to learn how to um, not manage fear, but live alongside fear, right? Fear, whether it's ring nerves or, you know, whether it's, um, you know, pressure, you know, we have to learn to live alongside those feelings and perform alongside pressure, perform alongside maybe some ring nerves or some different things and really understand fear and where it comes from and where, how those insecurities sort of push our buttons and get us in a snowball in the wrong direction. When we understand, and I've talked about this a lot, but when we understand how fear works in our bodies and then what is happening in the brain and why it is that we get foggy and why it is that we can't think clearly and, you know, our breathing changes and and of course, I can't believe my dog knows that I'm nervous. Like, really? Like, these 10 things just happen to your body, inc- including like this flood of hormones. Like, of course, our dogs are picking up on that. So I think it's really important to understand how fear and insecurity works in our bodies in order to kind of control it or get back in control of ourselves and understand the importance of breathing exercises and being able to get back to center. Right. So that's again, um, you know, no offense, Travis, but that's how I would couch the fear conversation. I think it's a, it is, it does take self awareness as he brings up as well. We've talked about this. Um, but it also is a skill that once you learn how fear is working and what it's doing to you, then you also know how to tame it and how to work alongside of it. Okay. Number seven, he has in embracing failure. Um, we've talked about this too. I agree. I probably would use different words. Um, I think that failure is feedback. That's how I like to talk about it. Failure is feedback. If you are approaching what is happening to you, either in a lesson, in class, in the ring, as feedback, then first of all, you can't fail 
because it's all feedback. Um, and you are always learning from it. You are always getting more information, more information, more information. And the, But in order to do that, you have to go in with an open mind. You have to be willing to listen and be able to listen and learn from failure or things not going as planned or, you know, making a mistake on course or what have you. So I like to think of failure as feedback. And then yes, then please embrace feedback, right? I just think of that a little bit differently. All right, we're going to go through the rest of his lifts after I catch my breath and I'll be right back. All right, I promise to make this super quick, but I've got to tell you what's going on in the Q membership. Each month, we tackle a different theme. In April, for instance, we took a look at our program, from what we feed to how we train. In July and August, the members are basically beta testing an entire masterclass on performing under pressure. And the last week of every month, we have a Zoom a group coaching call where we talk about the theme of the month, but we also get personal in terms of, you know, if there's a challenge that one of the members is facing that they want to talk about. The link to the membership is always in the show notes and there's a monthly and annual option. If you choose the annual, please be sure to put in the code QPODCAST, all one word, at checkout to get an additional month for free. Just my gift for listening. And don't forget, when you sign up, you get access to all the content going all the way back to April 2021, so you can binge to your heart's content. All right, enough about that. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so we left off on, um, you know, looking at failure as feedback. That was number seven. Number eight, he kind of continues dot, 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 without dwelling on mistakes. And I think this is a really great concept. I think that, you know, one thing I like, there's a kind of a meme or a saying or lots of different versions of this, but um, to have a really short memory for your mistakes and a long memory for your successes. And I think that's really, really important because The only reason, in my opinion, we need to think about a mistake or an error or a quote failure or in our case, an an NQ is, um, is to learn from it. And once we've gotten the lesson, right, then we let it go and move on because it doesn't serve us anymore. To keep replaying it is to keep reliving it, is to keep building a memory around it, is to literally build a neuro pathway around it. And we don't want that. That is not helpful to us. It doesn't get us anywhere. So to have a really, my words now, to have a really short memory around your mistakes and a long memory around your successes, that's the way to go. Yes, Travis is right. Don't dwell on the mistakes. Use them, learn from them, and move on. Number nine, this kind of goes ties back to the toxic people thing a little bit, but it's also refusing to let anyone limit your joy. And um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of opinions at a dog show. (laughs) I mean, my God, that might be the understatement of the month for sure. Um, But there's so many opinions, there's so many, so much comparison, so much judgment, so much, you know, just like, I don't know, snide comments, snippy. My mother would use the word snippy here. Um, And I think that that's really true. I think keeping your kind of your eyes on your own paper, really being clear on what it is that you are going for, what your goals are, and really knowing what your plan is will really help you 
uh, rebuff other comments and let other comments go because no one else really knows your plan but you. And, you know, I like the thing that, um, you know, you shouldn't listen to advice from people who um, haven't been in those in your shoes, right? And so no one's been in your shoes. We, we all have a very unique, very personally broken in pair of shoes, right? So I, I love that, not to let anyone else limit your joy. Um, and then number 10 is and don't limit the joy of others, right? This is a very, you know, I, this reminds me so much of comparison, right? Comparison and judgment and people trying to make themselves feel better by pushing someone else down. And whether you're doing that yourself, you catch yourself because we've done it, I've done it, we've all done it, trying to make yourself feel better by, by judging someone else, which pushes them down and pulls you up. Or when that happens to you, neither side of this, right, is fun and we shouldn't do it. So we need to catch ourselves and I'll be very hyper aware of stealing someone else's joy. You know, someone else posts on Facebook or something and they're like, oh my God, I just did this great thing. I'm so proud. And your job is to just say, oh my God, that's great. Congratulations. Not to also say, I remember a time when I did that too. (laughs) You know, like it's not about you. It's about the other person. And it's an abundant world. It's an abundant universe. There's more than enough to go around. Nobody's going to run out of Q ribbons. Like it's not a thing. Um, So there's enough for everybody. So I think that we can all be more in the business of raising each other up than trying to make ourselves feel better by pushing someone else down. Okay. All right. 11. I did like this one, exercising. So I think that, you know, it's an interesting group to, it's an interesting uh, lay of the land to be at a dog show or a trial and to sort of look around at, at different fitness levels. And no, I am not judging, see previous. But what I do think is that we don't, we are so busy prioritizing our dog's fitness levels and not we're not spending enough time prioritizing our own. And I don't mean that you have to be able to, you know, run a mile or run at all, by the way, even if you're doing agility. Um, but I do think that, for instance, we are, when we're healthy, when we're eating well, when we are doing some amount of moving our body and exercising or doing yoga or doing stretching or whatever, all of that is making us more physically able, even if we are standing in the confirmation ring or doing one of these sports where all we do is stand and walk around a little bit, right? So it's not, you know, you don't have to be engaged in a sport that is highly active to need to be kind of doing exercise and being physically fit. It helps your brain. It releases positive hormones. It helps endorphins. There are so many benefits of it. And it's just, it's good for you. So whether you're walking, whether you're, you know, finding time to do one of the many online exercise programs now available. um, Thank you, pandemic. um, There's just so many opportunities and so few excuses now because you really can get a, a really good, you know, 20 minutes to walk around the block for 20 minutes like is helpful. So I do think um, it also makes you feel better in your body and that helps with your confidence. It helps with your resilience because you're building resilience physically also as well as mentally, right? In my resilience class, we talk about, yes, there is a concept of physical resilience and it is important to build that as well. 
Number 12 is getting enough sleep, um, which of course we talk about in context of getting enough sleep and enough to eat and enough to drink and just being like readily prepared. You know, this is another area where we make sure our dogs get rest, but we forget that we need rest too, especially when we are getting up at the crack of dawn to drive somewhere. Um, you know, and all those memes about how it's easy for us to get up at, you know, the me- I love the memes where I like, you know, waking up at 6am for work, you're like all groggy, but waking up at 4am for a dog show, you're like, I'm up, I'm wide awake, I'm ready to go, let's drive two hours, right? Um, but, you know, getting sleep is really important. There's, there's more and more studies on this. It matters, which goes hand in hand with 13, which is limiting caffeine intake. Um, caffeine, you know, isn't, you know, this isn't something I usually cover. So thank you, Travis, for adding this to our list today. Um, but he, as he's citing, when you drink a lot of caffeine, uh, and he doesn't say what a lot is, but when you drink excessive amounts, you, it does trigger the release of adrenaline, you know, which is the source of flight or flight. So you're actually not helping your fear response, get settled by drinking caffeine, right? Those are working against each other. So if you are a person who has ring nerves, if you add ring nerves to caffeine, you're only going to make your ring nerves or that fear response, that flight or fight response worse. So think about the other ways that you can support, you know, your confidence in the ring, your resilience, and you may have to think about caffeine. Now, if you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired or da, 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 da you know, yes. Now see previous sleep, get some good sleep, get some good rest. Um, Don't go cold turkey off of caffeine for sure. But just think about what your intake is and maybe adjust it on trial days, right? Maybe, you know, think about that and and figure out how you can feel mentally sharp, but yet um, not be fueling your fear response at the same time. I think it's it's a really interesting connection. Um, this 14 is interesting. I I like this, not waiting for an apology to forgive. And I, when I first just read that headline, I'm like, interesting. Why does this belong on this list? Why is this on this list of being quote mentally tough? Um, and to quote this article, he says that mentally tough people know that life goes a lot smoother once you let go of grudges and forgive even those who never say they're sorry. And so I think that's interesting. I think that, you know, what it speaks to, obviously, is the being able to let go. And, you know, we talked about letting go of mistakes or learning from them and moving on. And I think this is very similar. You know, a lot of stuff's going to happen to us. A lot of people are going to come and go. You know, the dog world's I don't know if they seem very grudgy to me, (laughs) Um, you know, things to be very sticky. They're not really great at letting go of things. Um, I've talked to people who are be like, you know, and, you know, when I had my first dog and I'm like, your first dog, how long ago is that? Well, that was in the late nineties. And you're like, oh dear Lord, this is more than 20 years ago. So I think that, you know, again, the, the difference between forgiveness and someone apologizing, they're not, they're, they're, they're not connected necessarily. You can forgive someone and they can never apologize for it. And it's your decision to let something go because it's holding you back to hang on to it and you will be healthier for it to let it go and move on and focus on the things that are important to you, right? The things that matter, the things, your goals and, and the, the things that you've set out for yourself to work on. 
That's what's important. If you have a, a grudge or a hang up or something that is holding you back, that would be a great thing to take a look at. And I believe I did a podcast on the cord cutting meditation, and that would be a great visualization for you to look at to try to let go of that. All right. And the last one um, he cites is, I love this one, of course, which is being relentlessly, and I like the addition of that word, being relentlessly positive. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is important. I don't want you to be positive just for the sake of being positive and, and, and glossing over other things, which we've already discussed. But I think that to, to have a perspective of that even with a dog who might be getting older or might, you might be getting close to your goal or something like that if you've got a long-term outcome goal like a like a, a mock or an arch or you know a championship a big championship or something like that that takes a lot of time um, and points or something like that um, you know even when with those things you know y- you still are playing the long game Right. And I think that that's a really important perspective that you're not just walking into the ring for this next cue. You are working on relationship. You're working on the, you know, a longer game. There will be, you know, trials and runs after this one. And so to stay positive and to know that you're working toward your goals and your bigger goals and you have your sights set on things that are beyond this moment in time. I think is really important and also really motivating. To me, the other thing that goes along with staying relentlessly positive and the thing that I would absolutely add to this list is knowing your why, right? So number 16 for me, if I were writing this list, um, number 16 would absolutely be knowing your why. Why is it that you do this? Why do you get up at oh dark four in the morning and drive to Nowheresville and, um, you know, stand in the rain and do this? Um, Why do you love that? Why is that a better day than even the best day at work, you know, for a lot of us, right? And so knowing your why and having that crystal clear, and even if it's on a sticky note on your bathroom mirror or it's on an index card that is in your show bag, um, I think that that is probably the most compelling thing and really helps us build resilience when we are, you know, have a shitty weekend or are just in a, in a, in a quote slump or are just struggling with a, with a dog or whatever, trying to connect relationships, all the things, right? All the normal struggles, what keeps you going, you know? And I think that's a really good question because once you know what keeps you going, then you can seek out more of that, right? Then you can sort of remind yourself, um, you know, I've had you know, times where I've got a lot going on in my life. And, you know, there are times I'm like, you know, I have an evening class and some of my classes are actually as late as like nine, uh, nine o'clock at night. And so that means that I, if I leave at eight, get there at nine, work till 10, 10, 15, you know, I'm not getting home till after 11. And it's so easy to be stuck in the couch, you know, at eight o'clock at night and be like, oh, I don't want to go. And, you know, those nights that I kind of feel the least like going are the nights I need to go the most because it's like anything you know once you get your clothes your shoes on or get your keys in your hand you know the rest is easy and quite honestly once I get to practice to my class it's my happy place 
And I realized what a, like how it just changed my whole mood around and getting to play with my dogs and let the rest of the, the world's troubles, you know, kind of fall away or take a bag seat for an hour is very powerful. And the reason that's powerful is because I love working with my dogs. That's my why. And so it makes it much easier to keep going and to keep pushing through when we really know what our why is. So, um... Great article by Travis. Thank you, Travis, for giving us this conversation. Um, again, I would, you know, going back to his uh, his title of building mental toughness, I would call this building resilience. And I would, in you know, feel free to delve more into resilience. I do have um, a class online, self serve, if you want to go do that. Um, but I also just want to think that, like, you know. What is the difference for you between being tough and, and building resilience? And which do you want to be? Do, are there areas that you need to toughen up? Or is this really about building resilience and confidence and the ability to walk in the ring and perform, mentally perform consistently at your best time and time again? I think it's the latter, right? I think that toughness is you know probably about like not letting things in whereas resilience we can let things in learn from them and discard what it is that we don't need what doesn't serve us so that would be my wrap on that so I am happy to come across content like this sometimes that sparks a a fun conversation and really gets me thinking and you know makes me question sometimes how I talk about things or how we teach things and of course you know when you hear from multiple perspectives you know the the different vocabulary sometimes help things sink in so I hope that this little I call it a conversation because I feel like you guys are listening and right here and and talking with me and we're having a fun uh, chat about this Um, but I call it a conversation just because I think that it's an interesting thing to think about and I think that there is no one you know way to define some of this right and I just want us to be you know mentally resilient and healthy and able to like I said walk in the ring consistently and perform the way we want to perform on a regular basis right that's the goal So I hope some of these things are helpful for you to put into place this weekend. And um, if not, hopefully they'll serve as a good reminder later and good skill building along the way. And that is it for this episode. I hope this serves you. And most importantly, I hope you have a fantastic week with your dogs. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at The Q Coach and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.